Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the Liberty Enthusiast podcast episode, I want to say six. I don't even know if I ever started with an episode count before, but we're rolling with it. I'm very sorry uh, that I did, in fact, miss a episode last week. I was just doing stuff and I didn't really feel like recording. So here I am. Uh, I'm going to try to make this one a little bit longer. And oh boy, is there a lot of news. But uh, first off, if you enjoy the podcast and have up to this point, please go ahead and consider leaving a high rating. I'm pretty sure that Spotify does that. I should probably know this considering I use Spotify constantly and it's pretty much exclusively where I listen to all my podcasts. But, you know, we'll see. And if other and otherwise, just, you know, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at K2DudeMan is still the same. Um, it is no longer the end the fed profile picture. It's just my face. So if you want to just see what my face is and you want to put a face to the voice, then that's that's how you figure it out. Anyway, beyond that, let's just jump right on in a little bit of an update from last time I was on where I said that the gun rights argument had been really heating up. And uh, well, Unfortunately, there are 10 absolutely sellout, bitch-ass Republicans uh, who libertarians have been saying forever will sell out your rights at a moment's notice, and uh, we were right. And I can't even... I can't even fathom why. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. Um, and, but, and, and it's exactly the ones you're thinking of. It is exactly... It's in the Senate. Ten Senate Republicans went with uh, the Democrats on this, giving it a filibuster-proof majority. So it can't be overturned. Um, just, you know, pick the usual suspects. Susan Collins, Lindsey Graham, Rob Portman, Mitt Romney. Just fucking slimy, spineless... I, I'm so fucking irritated. And um, this just once again proves that the libertarians are the only ones who will actually go through with your rights. You know, we're the only ones that will actually want to keep all of your rights all the time. And this just proves that by the bipartisan proposals are always the worst. Uh, anytime both... Uh, the Democrats and the Republicans are for something, it's bad. It, it's bad for you. It just, it is. It's bad for you. So what this includes, it, it is not the, um, it is not the seven proposal uh, rules from the House bill. It is watered down, but it it does include a fucking it's so irritating. It does include universal background checks, which, Jesus Christ, a mandatory waiting period for all gun sales, uh, which is 21 days uh, for 18 to 21 year olds, and then a bail, a ban on the sale of high capacity magazines, none of which will stop anything. And I literally this that doesn't do anything. It literally does nothing. the The mass shooting problem comes from legal gun owners it is a deep or gun owners legal gun buyers it is a it is a different kind of beast because it these aren't people that are like dealing drugs and then buying these guns off the black market to protect their stock that's not what this is what this is is deeply troubled young men uh that get this idea in their head and want to make a martyr out of themselves and so they go and mow down a bunch of innocent people. This is, and none of these will do anything. All it does is restrict people like me 
Universal background checks. People don't know what this is. What universal background checks means is a national gun registry if you want it to be enforced properly. That's the only way it works. So if you want a background check on all sales, private and at a gun at a gun show, at whatever, you need to have some kind of transaction log. And if I and if there's no registry for it, then there's no proof. So let's just say I wanted to buy a uh, semi-automatic rifle, an AR-15 from Joe Joe Sixpack, just some dude that I found online. I'm like, hey. Uh, I'm I'm looking to get a rifle really quick. I'm not a prohibited pos- possessor, uh, and you know maybe he uh, believes me, maybe he doesn't. But I've got the money and I've got a driver's a valid driver's license, and you know maybe he runs a quick little internet search and he can't find anything. So, you know, I go and I get it from him. It's a private sale. If that private sale is made re- a requirement to go and get a background check and have a, na- a registry for, then it's enforceable. If not, uh, if I ever get pulled over or a cop ever comes by and says, hey, did you get a background check for that gun? I can just say, yes, they don't know. They have no no idea. And just possessing a gun is not proof of any crime. They And, you know, I wouldn't put it past this fucking garbage government that we have to just be like, yeah, uh, we have probable cause to search your home now because you wouldn't show us uh the proof of your background check and uh we're running it through uh we're we're running through the uh, atf and fbi databases you've never submitted to a background check ever and you have this rifle uh we're gonna need you to come with us now despite having never committed a crime so all this does potentially is create a new sub uh, a new class of victimless crimes and you know that's it and then uh the rest of the republicans are like yeah no fuck this this is awful uh there there is one thing that uh you that you can take solace in which is that these 10 republicans rejected the uh safe storage requirements and the criminal penalties for negligent storage that's it that's all uh, I don't know if it includes a uh, the, the Senate proposal specifically. The House one passed. We all knew it would. Um, what a bunch of fucking spot. I'm sorry. I'm so angry at these fucking stupid people. I don't even know where I was. But yeah, that's that's that. I I'm so furious. And meanwhile, of course, uh, the cops get to keep all their. You know, they get to keep all their weaponry. Probably are going to get more after uh, after all this wars in Yemen and stuff is over. If it ever is over. And uh, the Justice Department will just sell, or uh, rather the State Department will just sell their leftover tanks and grenades and shit to local beat cops. You know. So, we'll see. They get to keep all their stuff uh of course the politicians private security is probably exempt from this too uh you know because of course but anyway that's that uh i actually spent a little bit longer of time than i wanted to on that but that's all right uh i kind of want to do a economics super show if you will because i haven't really touched on it in a while and there's a lot of really troubling uh really deeply disturbing things that have come out really in the last month that uh, I kind of want to run through. Uh, but first, there was, a, it, it, since the time I did an episode, there was a lot of primaries. Um, I do not, I, I do have a, uh, what's it called? I do have a write-up, but specifically in California, a couple things that I wanted to touch on, of course, Alex Padilla and uh, uh, our, our lovely governor, uh, Gavin Newsom, of course, blew out all comers that was to be expected i I wasn't exactly shocked by that uh but what was kind of interesting was the recall election for the san francisco da and that was successful uh that recall did happen with over 60 percent of the vote and it's kind of a rebuke of this kind of policing type policy that's coming out of the left which is uh, well i shouldn't say the left or at large i should say california's very left which kind of just 
you know, gives pass to property crime. Uh, it basically says more or less, oh, you got uh, $900, uh, you can steal up to $900 worth of stuff and it'll be totally fine. There are no penalties, no nothing, you'll be all right. Which is a very kind of interesting thing that, that this just got a full rebuke that people were like, nah, we're kind of sick of this shit. We're get we're seeing people just blatantly rob stores every day uh, as we go through our lives. Uh, people getting into shootouts with security and with police, and we're done with it. We're we're sick of this shit. We want you to protect our life and our property, which, by the way, is what the cops should be doing. Cops should not be civil, you know, doing civil asset forfeiture, stealing more from, you know, law-abiding citizens than than robbers do. Yeah, by the way, that's a real statistic. Civil asset forfeiture was a, was the result of a loss, uh, was more of a result of loss than all of burglary. And uh, I want to say 2014. I actually haven't looked up any recent, but the fact that it even got that high is still absurd. They shouldn't be arresting people for nonviolent drug offenses uh, if this, you know, fucking red, red flag, national red flag shit and universal background check garbage goes through uh we will probably create another criminal class for that but this is not what the cops should be doing the cops should be protecting life and protecting property if we're gonna have them at all uh not you know stand outside for 75 minutes while children get murdered and uh you know stop good parents from trying to save their children but anyway a rebuke of all that. Uh, I did want to touch into some of the states from uh, not yesterday, because I'm recording this on Wednesday. There was primaries yesterday, but from uh, June 7th, which uh, it's kind of a interesting, uh, uh, an interesting set. Uh, firstly, I did want to say uh, my dis- uh, my what used to be district uh, district 41 by Ken Calvert, uh, it actually, that might flip to the Democrats. Calvert's been an, an income incumbent, excuse me, for really as long as that I, as long as I can remember in California district 41, I don't know if he got redistricted. And so it may have been a different district number, but I'm really not sure about that. Other than that, uh, some really interesting things. Uh, there's a lot of house districts for California that are probably going to be competitive. Uh, districts 3, 13, 22, 23, and 27. Uh, those are ones to keep an eye out for. And then uh, it, in District 40, uh, the the split, the split vote was split between uh, Young Kim, who came out on top, and a couple of other Republican uh, contenders. Uh, if you combine all those votes, that, that seat probably stays Republican. Excuse me. I think it was Republican prior. Uh, I'm really not totally sure, to be perfectly honest with you. But these are not the ones that I really care about. The one that I really care about, which is very, very interesting to me, is the L.A. mayor's race. So uh, Rick Caruso and Karen Bass look like they are going to be duking it out in November. Uh, Overall, between the primaries, Rick Caruso got a higher vote total and higher percentage than Karen Bass did. Rick Russo was a Democrat, now running as a Republican, uh, for to be mayor of Los Angeles, a very much blue city. If anybody's been in L.A., you know for sure that it's a blue city. So this is kind of big. I, I really don't know how this one shakes out. It was very close. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a, in the next couple of months, there's a, a shift towards Karen Bass. She's got a lot of big players behind her. Uh, But so does Rick Caruso, so that's one to look out for. Uh, In Iowa, uh, the House District 3 uh, is another one that's going to be competitive. Uh, In New Jersey, District 3 is probably going to end up being competitive. District 5 is probably going to flip. There was heavy turnout, Republican, not so much for Democrats. Same thing with uh, House District 6 and 7. So New Jersey, 5, 6, and 7 all probably flip. And uh, House District 11 ends up competitive, uh, all of which were, uh, I believe, Democratic before. So New Jersey 
I don't know that it's going to go a red state. I definitely don't see that happening. But in those districts, people seem fed up with the way the state's going. And, and New Jersey was one of the most heavy lockdown states. So we'll see how that one goes in the coming weeks. But that was all I had for that. Uh, for yesterday, the uh, what I think is an absolute election juggernaut uh, was that in a special election for the House District 34 in Texas, this would be U.S. House, by the way, we got a Republican flip on a previously Democratic uh, on a previously Democratic seat by a lot. Um, it, right here, it said on um, NBC News uh, decision 2022 that Maya Flores, the Republican, uh, beat out Dan. I want to say Dan Sanchez for the seat by 51 percent to 43. Point three, and then there were some other candidates that split some votes down, uh, down ballot. But this is huge. Um, if you add the losing Democratic seats to Dan Sanchez's total, um, it it's kind of a closer race. The fact that that even that, that there was another Republican that ran, uh, Cantu Cabrera didn't even get two percent, so it, essentially a wash. But the fact that this flipped, and what makes this such a big juggernaut is the person to last win this seat uh, won by 13 points. So this girl, Maya Flores, just flipped a negative 13 seat and won by over 7 points, which is massive, enormous. Um the Texas already had their primaries uh, a couple months ago, but this was a special election. That one's huge, in my opinion. Uh, the Nevada governor primaries uh, were called pretty late last night, from what I saw. Uh, Steve Sizalek of the Democrat won the Democrat primary, and uh, Joe Lombardo won the GOP primary. He was a. Uh, uh, I was doing a little research on him this morning. He was the sheriff for Clark County, which is Las Vegas, basically. So pretty known. He's got some big backers. We'll see. Uh, as far as vote totals, uh, Democrats, if you Steve Sizzlick and Tom Collins, if you add theirs together, uh, you get around 111,000 votes. If you split, if you take the Republicans that split uh, across three, you actually get around 130,000 votes or so. So Nevada could have a GOP governor in November. Which it, or after November, which is very, very, very interesting, very crazy to be honest. I mean that that one, that one to me was actually the most wild so far. Nevada, uh, Biden won by a couple tens of thousands of votes out of a state of a couple million. So that one was going to be interesting. Trump's it was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, he. Some of the people that he backed did very well in uh, Nevada, South Carolina, and North Dakota, especially in Nevada and South Carolina, but uh, this is where Trump did well. Some of the other ones, not so much. It's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, so far, I think he is kind of, I, I want to say, breaking even, if not doing better, which is very interesting as far as Republican primaries go. I don't know if that's going to really matter all that much in come November. Um, truthfully speaking, I, I still think Democrats get waxed, but that's just me. And enough with that. I think, let me just make sure I'm not really missing anything major. And I really don't believe so. Uh, just some other house stuff that uh, really didn't kind of didn't really didn't catch my eye as I was looking through. Um, yeah. So let's move on finally into the uh, the economic stuff. This is the stuff that I was really wanting to talk about. So first, uh, we can't really talk about any of the economic stuff happening without talking about the Federal Reserve. We just got another hike of uh, basis points by 75. And I believe uh, they're mulling another decision to raise it by one. And after this, the inflation, or excuse me, the... Fed fund rate will be around 2.5%. Uh, 
which by the way, as far as historical standards, is nothing. Um, it's a very... Uh, oh, oh, excuse me, I was wrong. Uh, the point seventy five they're they're uh, expecting to vote on today. Uh, it, it really doesn't change very much, truthfully speaking. Uh, our, the inflation rate, the CPI numbers came out uh, on the 10th, so five days ago, which saw an 8.6% jump from last May. And uh, the producer price index numbers came out yesterday for a 10.8% increase from last year in May. So we're we're getting really high gas prices, uh, really high prices across the board for commodities, especially. But food and energy, especially, are the ones hit really hard. Transportation's hit really hard, of course, because gas prices. And I've got an article here from Fee, uh, Brad, the lovely Brad Palumbo. Uh, if you do not know Brad, uh, I follow him very closely, along with Hannah Cox. They're great. They both uh, write for Fee. I believe Brad is, uh, I believe he's a policy advisor, if not a, um, uh, if not like a correspondent, yeah, policy correspondent and a journalist for Fee. And uh, Hannah, I believe, is a higher up at Fee. And uh, Brad Plumbo wrote an article which uh, kind of talks about this producer price index versus consumer price index numbers. And what's really interesting about these numbers, uh, his article says, more alarming inflation data undercuts the progressive greedflation narrative. Companies haven't jacked up their prices to match the increase in their costs. So what, what, what the greedflation thing is, is you've probably heard it by now, which is that uh, these companies are profiting off the backs of the little guy through exploitation. It's all corporate greed, which is why all these oil companies are getting massive profits. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's just a really high in demand product after people come out of the pandemic and which the pandemic, they lost billion, like tens of bill, almost a hundred billion dollars. I believe they lost. Uh, maybe I'll do a deep dive into that and report back. Should I remember to do so? But they definitely took a big, big, big hit. Uh, especially Exxon, I saw lost just fifty billion dollars in twenty twenty two, and uh, they made forty five billion dollars last year. So I don't even think they caught up to where they lost. I mean, they probably have now, since we're in a couple into a uh, couple months into twenty twenty two. But back to this article, uh, he, he kind of gives this. It's all corporate greed narrative and acts. Because uh, what he basically says is, put it this way, if if it's all corporate greed and consumer prices are have risen 8.6%, wouldn't, wouldn't you expect then that the producer price index be lower than that? Right? Because you, you would expect that prices go up to equal out the costs that producers go through, but, the produ but producers' prices are almost at 11%. Uh, increase from last year and consumer prices are only eight and a half so you would kind of expect that there would be an evening out effect you would almost expect that consumer prices should be higher now i really don't want that uh, we're seeing people have their lives completely destroyed by inflation and i really don't want any more of that but it's happening now i do want to read out uh the last bit the last three paragraphs of this article uh, i really do recommend uh going to the fee articles uh, i read them pretty much every week if not uh, as like every day i try to go and read as much as i can but let's back let's read this first if companies were truly being greedy and just jacking up prices to make money we would ex be we would expect them to be hiking prices for consumers at a rate higher than their own production costs are going up the data sets reveal the opposite. Consumer prices rose 8.6 and producer prices rose 10.8, suggesting that roughly estimating companies haven't even jacked up prices to match the increase in their costs, let alone exceed them. So where's the evidence of this rampant surge in greed we keep hearing about? It's nowhere to be seen, of course, because the greedflation narrative was a political talking point 
simply meant to deflect away from the federal government and onto big, big business, a popular boogeyman. And big oil, especially. I, I, I added the and big oil last part last. And then he has a <laughs> uh, four gun control tweets that make your brain hurt video. <laughs> of course. Uh, but yeah, good article. Uh, really recommend it. And just like I was saying, you would expect that prices for consumers would at least match the producers, but they're way lower. So the whole greed thing kind of is, I think, bunk, uh, in my opinion. But yeah, I have uh, just confirmed that the Federal Reserve is, they're, they're not actually increasing uh, the rate by 100 yet. That was a, uh, th th that was somebody's opinion that they were going to. However, uh, we're, we are expecting a 75 basis point jump in rates, basically uh, 0.75. So if you're looking at the uh, Fed fund rate right now, we're around one and a half, I believe. Uh, this 0.75 would bring it up to around two and a half, which I, I did say earlier was a historic low. So that's that's where we're looking for. Uh, in other news, the market worldwide, uh, but especially the S&P 500, has hit bear market territory. Uh, yesterday and the day prior, so the 14th and the 13th, we saw a, a couple thousand point drop in the Dow and the S&P. The Nasdaq went lower, uh, went went a little bit higher actually yesterday, but it's still low. We we're seeing it kind of level out now a little bit as recession uh, fears and uh, just kind of a liquidity crunch seem to be on the on the horizon. Uh, people are going to sell off to avoid losses, uh, especially if we end up into recession. It seems that way that we're already kind of there in bear market. Uh, we are expecting sometime next month to get quarter two numbers. Uh, and we did get the number last month or excuse me, last quarter in uh, a we got news in April that the economy shrunk by 0.5 percent. If you ask me, we're already in recession. I think that's kind of a given if anybody's paying any attention at all. And and what's going to be really strange about this is because of so much money printing, because of $5 trillion printed out of completely thin air uh, in the, over the last two years, finally flooding the market in the last one year, instead of just being in financial markets and the stock markets, it's actually the liquidity is finally reaching the uh, the service and goods market. We're finally getting this sharp increase in prices as a result of currency being devalued. So we're finally getting the comeuppance for this. We can't just print a ton of money and there'd be no problems. But no, it's corporate greed. Sorry, that that fucking it, it just it annoys the shit out of me. There's a really really cool, really great uh, video of Milton Friedman on Donahue. Uh, it's a very famous. Uh, it's a, it's an extremely famous uh, uh, segment. If you can't find it, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. But uh, Donahue basically asks him, uh, "Isn't it all just?" can we have find a thing that's not run on greed? And he's like, find me a society that wasn't run on greed. Do you think the Soviets didn't run on greed? The Germans don't run on greed. <laughs> it's a great video. Uh, if you can find it, uh, just Milton Friedman on greed and inflation. Like I imagine you'll get something. I should have started all this really with what, what inflation actually is. So you're going to get a lot of people who say inflation is just a measure over time. As a matter of fact, I have a video later of, uh, that I'm going to kind of break down a little bit. Uh, a famous tick, or I don't know if it's famous, but it certainly went viral. A uh, TikTok video of this gal. This it, it, uh, well, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, inflation is not just uh, the measure of prices. The measure of prices it, uh, increasing is the, is a result of the inflation. What inflation is, is an expansion of credit in the monetary supply. Faster than goods can be, uh, faster than goods can be produced. 
So you you've heard I'm sure you've heard the expression it's uh fewer it's more dollars chasing fewer goods or some some kind of iteration of that. And that's what inflation is. It is more money chasing less goods. So when you print 5 trillion dollars over 2 years, 40% of our entire money supply in just 2 years uh, uh like over the entirety of our history, 40% of that money supply up to now was printed in just the last two years. We're going to get a gigantic spike in inflation. By the way, I, 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 I've said it before, I still think the real inflation rate is way higher, probably closer to like 15%, if not a little bit higher than that. So that that is what inflation is. And if you're any verse, if you have any verse at all in Austrian economics, you know that this is nothing. The, the a 75 basis point jump will do absolutely nothing in any kind of way having to do with fixing the problem. It, it just, it won't happen. You, we, we see this gigantic spike in inflation. The only way that this fucking centrally controlled bank monopoly on money that the Federal Reserve has... Uh, the only way it can fix it is to bring the rate way, way, way higher. Well, not way, way, way higher, but higher than the level of inflation so that people don't spend as much. They save. There's not as much lending. The, the economy shrinks. And we finally get back down to where it should be. Now, truthfully speaking, I don't think it'll matter. I, I think there's been so much money printed. There's so much liquidity in the goods and services market that we're kind of just stuck with this. But this really should say to people, maybe we don't print a fucking $5 trillion for stimulus spending and lock down the economy because it's now worse. Everything is worse since we started this stimulus spending. Uh, so that makes me want to go into another thing here. On uh, June 7th, Daniel Clark at Investopedia writes this, uh, writes this story. That consumer debt is on the rise and consumer credit is projected to have risen $4.57 trillion in April, which is just debt. People are putting stuff on credit cards and that's what most of this is. Revolving credit increasing 21.4% the first three months of the year. Uh, earlier last month, the, Federal, the New York Federal Reserve reported that household debt had climbed to $15.8 trillion in the first quarter of 2022, which is up... $266 billion from the previous quarter and $1.7 trillion higher than before the COVID-19 pandemic. Let me say that again. The New York Federal Reserve reported that household debt climbed to $15.8 trillion the first quarter of 2022, which is $1.7 higher than before the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. That household debt, mortgage debt, auto debt, consumer credit card debt, all of this is higher. So we're not getting this stimulus in the, the, the stimulus in the economy. What we're really getting is politically connected people, banks, hedge fund managers getting insanely rich by being so close to the money printer, and all of us getting the... We're, we're reaping the repercussions. I mean, we got this stimmy. We got these stimmy checks. They didn't do anything. Matter of fact, it made it worse. People are in more debt than before. And the mortgage thing is really that one is really scary to me. Um, I am of the opinion that we are probably going to see a housing market crash. Uh, I say probably. Because we do have a kind of a supply problem. If we didn't have a supply problem, I think it'd be all but guaranteed we get another housing crash. This one, we have kind of a supply problem. Not enough homes being built, especially because during the COVID pandemic. So we could see, in theory, we could see a production in houses to meet the supply, or uh, to meet the demand, rather. Having supply catch up to demand and everything kind of cools off. But right now, uh, home prices are way higher. Rents are way higher. More uh, HELOC uh, interest payments are way higher. A uh, home equity line of credit, uh, that's what HELOC means. They're, they're higher. Mortgage rates are higher. 
Now, the mortgage rate thing, it doesn't necessarily matter for people that have already bought. They're fine. But what it does mean is as, this Fe as the Fed fund rate continues to rise, if you took out any kind of uh, equity loan on your home, a uh, HELOC or otherwise, then your home is collateral. And if you can't make the interest payments on it, it, it even just the interest, like people could be priced out by the interest in entirely, then you foreclose the house. And we could see if enough people who have taken out a home equity line of credit to put down their debt maybe to whatever lever they've leveraged the equity in their home for expenses um you know whatever we could see a sell-off um i don't think it would be quite as bad as the crash in 07 and 08 uh with all with all of the what's it called mortgage-backed securities uh getting massive sell-offs i don't know that we'll get that so just, you know, be aware of the consequences. The, the, the money printer go burr is not a good thing. We're really in trouble here. Uh, the, and the mortgage one is what, re is what really weirds me out the most. Uh, it, it's really, really, really disturbing. And uh, this article, Consumer Debt on the Rise, uh, I, I recommend looking at it. There's a chart at the very bottom which gives you U.S. consumer credit outstanding. And um, what's, really, what's really great was we did pay off a lot of debt in, uh, as a country in middle, by the middle of July, or by the middle of uh, July to September in 2021. Consumer debt was very low uh, and it's right back and higher than when we started. So we're in we're in really deep trouble with this. I I don't think it is a exaggeration to say that the asset bubble is popping. I mean, it it really is. We're we're getting a a liquidity crunch from the regular S and P market, uh, crypto as well. Uh, Celsius and Luna. We saw Luna go down a, a month or so ago. We saw Celsius. Uh, kind of halt trading for a while we saw a pretty big drop in bitcoin and ethereum ethereum dropped uh to either 1100 or below uh and bitcoin dropped down to i want to say around 20,000. um yeah we're right now we're around 21,000, and it dropped another 1000 today it's uh it opened at it looks like 22,500, and we're down to 21,367. Um, I do expect Bitcoin to drop further. Uh, I expect it to probably go down to around 18,000. Um, it, it's a liquidity crunch. Uh, the entire system was so bubbled up, and a lot of people were buying Bitcoin with completely fake money that was just printed by the Federal Reserve, and now they're trying to cut back on their portfolio. And we're getting this scares of recession and there's a liquidity crunch. And uh, for all the people that are really scared about Bitcoin, don't be. Bitcoin will be fine. This is getting rid of the giant asset bubble. It, Bitcoin was never worth 69000 It wasn't. It was, th this is probably closer to where it's actually at, around 22000 Maybe we start to get a little bit higher as the demand for Bitcoin goes back up again, especially when dollars start to be worth less than nothing. But for now, 21,000 is probably right. Uh, we're probably going to get another dip, I would assume, uh, to around 18,000. Uh, as of 3 a.m. yesterday, it was around 20,500. So we are actually up a little bit from yesterday. No, actually, excuse me. We opened around 22,000. Yeah, Bitcoin opened around 22, ooh, excuse me, 22,000 today. So that's where we are. Um, it, we just got a bunch, we got a giant asset bubble and the asset bubble has to pop. Austrian economics, it, the, the basic point of the business cycle theory is there's booms and busts caused by low interest rates and easy credit. And then as soon as those interest rates starts to climb up, bubble pops. And this is what we're getting. Uh, I imagine we're probably going to get an, in, uh, we already did get an inversion in the yield curve uh, a while ago. So recession for sure. 
I was reading a very good article on Mises.org, actually. I won't bring it up again, but I won't bring it up and talk to you about it. But it was Robert Murphy explaining the yield curve and its relationship to Austrian economics. I highly recommend that article. It was really, really, really excellent. I really like Robert Murphy. If you guys want to know anything about economics, Robert Murphy is your guy on the Austrian side. He's an incredible writer, an incredible ec economist. E economist, excuse me, Jesus. Yeah, uh, really like him. There's some other really good ones. Uh, Liberty Lockdown, actually. If you want to know about the, uh, the consumer side of things, especially in the housing, he's your guy. But anyway, I want to move on to this video that a friend of mine sent me. It's this uh, gal on TikTok, uh, Ka Burbank, the MMT Cowboy. Uh, MMT being modern monetary theory, uh, what I believe to be the flat earth uh, of economics. Essentially, what what MMTers argue, very briefly, uh, there's, there's a lot of other resources that you can find to... Uh, what's it called, to, do, 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 to read up about what it is. But essentially, it's an extension of Keynesian economics that basically says you have to spur government spending to meet, uh, to, to, you have to increase government spending to spur demand, uh, and that, spe that spending can be done through money printing, and as long as you tax the people enough, you can pull the excess uh, capital out of the economy, and we won't get a massive spike in inflation. We'll just spur... Uh, consumer demand is basically the argument. Now, I have several problems with it, and we'll, I'll probably get to it in this uh, video. But a friend of mine sent me this video, and I do want to react to it and uh, kind of break it down, because I think a lot of people uh, really get interested in modern monetary theory, and I think it's a total fucking sham. But uh, let's see if I can get this video to play. Here we go. Governments printed way too much money. Who told you that? I don't know. People are saying that. Like everyone, everyone's saying that. Nobody knows what incarnation's going on with inflation. Okay. <laughs> Pause it already. Um, yes, people are saying it because it's true. Uh, by the way, it's two characters on screen. The uh, what nobody knows what intonation is going on with inflation is uh, the MMT cowboy, and the other one that's just talking in a normal voice is a person that's come to her, and the the person that comes to her that says uh, uh, we spent way too much money or printed way too much money uh, is correct. By the way, uh, let's keep going. Well, if they keep printing dollars, they're going to devalue the dollars already in existence. Correct. That's not how it works. Yes, it is. So how does it work? Inflation isn't a measurement of how much a dollar is worth. Inflation is a measurement of price changes over time. Ha! Huh. See? See what I said? People will always say that it's the measure of price change. That's not true. That's not what it is. Uh, I forgot that she said that. <laughs> yeah, no, inflation is not price changes over time. It's new money and credit in the system. So the one you see on the news is the consumer price index. And what they do is they run surveys. They say, what did you buy and for how much? And then they decide what an average market basket of goods looks like. And then they measure the price changes over time. So if a few items go up in price, it's going to drive up the measure of inflation. So if a bunch of... Okay, no, 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 no. See, and this is exactly what, what the fallacy with just calling it price changes is. The inflation, uh, if, if you're talking about that, the it's the what she said exactly. She contradicted herself there. She she started correctly. The if, if from her point of view, uh, it it is an it is a measure of aggregate prices. That that whole talk about what a basket of goods looks like and the aggregate price change that's inflation. Now that's it would be more accurate to say that is a measure of inflation. That's true. That is a result of inflation. That is not what inflation is. But what she said there at the end, a few prices change, that's inflation. No, that's not true. That's not at all true. There, there, there can be uh, where a lot of prices go up, but some prices go down. Matter of fact, um, there's a video uh, that I was watching either yesterday or the day before on Learn Liberty. Uh, it's uh, I've mentioned it before. Great channel. Uh, subscribe. Uh, I'm in no way affiliated. They're just great. 
uh, it's 10 myths about inflation. It was done, uh, I want to say like three, four, five months ago. And one of the myths was that, well, was exactly this, that inflation is just a measure of price change. And in the 2000, uh, I want to say seven and eight recession, airfare prices actually went way, way down, but the average price of everything else went up. Uh, the, as a result of a few years later, I want to say it was like 2012, 2011 or so, after the contraction through quantitative, uh, after the quantitative, uh, after quantitative easing, after the contraction, etc. So you can get prices that will drop, but so, so it, what it, it, you can't just look at a few prices. You, you have to look at the aggregate pricing of, of all consumer products going up. That is what inflation looks like. That, at least as a result of inflation. A bunch of corporations just decide to set higher prices. That's inflation? That's right. So why does Jerome Powell keep saying we've got to bring wages down to fix it? The Federal Reserve is a one trick. Um, I don't know that I've heard Jerome Powell say that we have to bring wages down to fight inflation. Um, but inflation has already taken real wages down by 3%. Uh, we just got those CPI numbers already. Real wages are down 3% because what, what once we get to a certain point where these prices uh, on things that are high, already high in demand, where we can't not spend like gas, food, etc., then your buying power is already, like your purchasing power is gone. So we already have this drop off in or rather this massive increase in aggregate pricing but we can't just stop spending we have to spend on some things that are important for our household economy and those are some of them so you spend more your buying power goes down so even if you stopped going out as much maybe you stopped going to the movies as much you stopped uh eating out maybe you're still getting a, a massive increase in especially energy and uh, gas pricing. So you're already getting that. We can't just not spend. That, that's the thing that isn't understood here. And then, of course, the uh, if corporations just set pricing higher, that's inflation. No, no, it's not. Um, I, I, think I've, that, I think I've already kind of debunked that from Brad Palumbo's article earlier in this episode. It's just wrong. Let's go back. Trick pony. And that trick is raising interest rates. And they think that if they raise interest rates because it makes money more expensive to borrow, less people will start businesses and invest in businesses, so there will be less jobs for people. Okay, that's part of it, but that, that doesn't answer anything. Like All that does is what the Federal Reserve is supposed to do. Which, And by the way, you, this is the fallacy of central planning. The, the fallacy of that people will stop doing that, uh, maybe, maybe some will, but some people won't. And this, uh, this is what the, uh, the, praxeology, the praxeology argument is, which is that uh, economics is just an extension of human action. Uh, so when you get, you, you can't centrally plan human interaction in the economy. You can't. It's impossible. People are going to interact for a, with the economy in a multitude of ways, which is why central planning always fails, because you can't get everybody to follow the plan 100% of the time. So the the Federal Reserve doing this kind of thing, controlling interest rates and stop, and trying to drop demand, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But then, like I said earlier, we have this giant uh, increase in gas and energy pricing, which are things that we still need to have. So you don't get this cut back in demand effect that she's kind of talking about here. People to have, that means there's going to be more competition in the labor market. People will be willing to take jobs for lower wages because they'll really need a job. And so Which, by the way, that right there, n normal inflation, that's not what happens. Normally, people want to keep others around because we're seeing unemployment on the, on the horizon because normally inflation is followed by a recession or they're coupled together somehow so normally wages are supposed to rise with inflation we've seen this several times however we're kind of not seeing it and then like nominal wages may have increased a little bit but real wages are have tanked 
So we're not getting this thing that she's saying here. So everything she's saying here is either wrong or contradictory. Well, if they keep printing dollars, they're going to devalue. The oh, it restarted. I, th I thought I paused it. I'm having trouble with the thing. But anyway, that's the general gist. Uh, if you want to see the full thing, it's called MMT Cowboy is back at Ka Burbank. Um, I don't see an upload date, but it looks like it was around a week ago. So if I, I'm having trouble trying to keep connection, but if you want to watch it, that's the video, um, which, by the way, is kind of interesting because I don't see any talk about trying to increase taxes to suck out the excess capital. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, anyway, I'd like to think I did a decent enough job there. And uh, that's the general outlook of what we're seeing uh, really in trouble. And uh where where the hard times are definitely coming. I mean, we think energy prices are bad now. Wait until the summer really hits. I mean, June is summer, yes, but July and August is where we're really going to start seeing problems. Texas is already seeing major heat waves uh, on the, across the Midwest. Uh, I know California, we're already kind of in drought season and we're going to get, uh, I mean, we're going to definitely get an increase in gap in uh, energy usage people's energy bills are going to be really high consumer debt is probably going to rise further still uh mortgage rates are going to continue to rise as the fed, fu fed fund rate rises uh we're probably going to get a stock market crash maybe even further than the one we already ha have now they're just calling it bear market territory they're not even calling it a crash yeah we're in trouble so do what you can prepare I'm sorry to end on such a uh, down note, but uh, we really got to be careful here. We really got to, you know, help each other out, try to get through this. Yeah, it, it's not good. But that's going to be it for me. I uh, really appreciate you guys listening uh, to this longer episode. Uh, hopefully recording, I can put this out before tonight. I'll probably have to edit this on my lunch break. But uh, if that's it, if you guys enjoyed, go ahead and... Uh, follow the podcast over uh for whenever i upload and go ahead and follow me on twitter at k2 dude man thank you for listening to the liberty enthusiast guys i really appreciate it i'll see you next time peace